Less than two weeks out for the 2020 U.S. presidential election, Donald J. Trump, the incumbent, the Republican, and the Democratic challenger, Joe Biden. Now, there's a number of trends and data points that we're looking at right now, things that are on the move. We're going to take a look at some of them. And also, this is a very close race. There's a number of battleground states, 16 in total, that we're looking at. We'll take a look at a few of those battleground states. But just to start with, let's see where the national polls are and what's happening nationally. Well, if you've been looking at this story for the whole summer in the last three or four months, this is what you'll see. Comfortable margin by Joe Biden leading over Trump in this national poll, uh, 9%. And the leads have been as high as 14, 15%. So Joe Biden's enjoyed a very comfortable lead in terms of national opinion polls. Now, our question is, does this actually translate into actual support on November 3rd. So we'll break down some of these things. But really, it's been a landslide uh, for Joe Biden. This is a typical report from CNN here. And you've seen this basically dominating the headlines all summer. So just further on from this, let's take a look at what happened in 2016. This is what all the pollsters were saying about Hillary Clinton, 90%, 90, 97%, 98% likely to win. So a massive odds on favorite. We're seeing very similar repeating patterns from 2016 to 2020, where the national media, the, the mainstream press, mainstream polls are really putting the Democratic nominee out in front by a very comfortable margin, of course, that's not what happened on election day in 2016. So just breaking this down a little further, other people have completely different predictions. This is Helmut Norpath. His model, which has accurately predicted presidential elections, at least 24, I believe, of the last 26 elections, he's got Donald Trump with a 91% probability rate of victory. Obviously, this isn't getting a lot of airtime uh, on mainstream networks. So we'll break down some of the details of this. And these are things that are going to move, things that are going to create momentum. Here's one. Odds checker has tightened the odds in this race in the last week because of the Hunter Biden email scandal. So it's things like this that are breaking late that might change uh, how the odds and how the polls are shaping up. Now, besides scandals like this, there are other fundamentals that aren't going to be picked up in the polls. And if you follow Twitter, you want to be following Robert Barnes for election tips. And one of the fundamentals that isn't going to be picked up in the polls is third-party voters, alternative parties. And as Robert Barnes states here, a key indicator for incumbent election odds whenever a third-party vote declines between elections in a primary era, the incumbent has won re-election every single time. For instance, 1972, 84, 96, and in 2004 as well. That's something that's not going to be picked up by the mainstream polls and on the mainstream networks. To see where things are breaking, we're going to be trying to look at three key indicators. The first of those are key factors. These are things that mainstream polls and mainstream analysis will pick up, and it does inform some of the figures and some of the surveys that you're seeing right now. Now, other things are called dark matter. These are things that absolutely are not going to get picked up by mainstream polls, by the mainstream media, by mainstream analysts. These are things that can definitely drive trends, especially in close swing states. A few percentage points here, a few there on the aggregate can move votes. And the, also the last thing is momentum. And this is obvious, but this is something that you can't know all through the summer. So again, things like momentum, like dark matter, they render mainstream polling pretty much useless 
throughout the summer, even September, even at the beginning of October, because momentum is really starting now. Let's take a look at the first of those, which is key factors. And one of the main key factors is the shadow of 2016. This election is very much going to mimic 2016 in so many different ways, not least of all, the candidates are almost identical in terms of uh, the Obama administration producing Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, the policies are more or less the same. The demographics and the support base are pretty much the same. So look at 2016. We'll be looking closely at those results in order to inform what might likely happen in some of these battleground states. The other thing is national opinion polling versus electoral college projections. You can't really call this election not something this close. Uh, just by looking at national polling. So you got to be looking on a state-by-state -state basis. So strategically, I know the media doesn't always do this until late in the game, but you got to be looking at state-by-state -state and dissecting each state to see what's happening with all of these different factors. And the other thing is wedge issues. These are important, obviously, uh, in certain states more than others, but wedge issues like Obamacare, healthcare, abortion, for instance, Second Amendment, and lockdowns, COVID and lockdowns is becoming a wedge issue for this 2020 election that wasn't there in previous elections and that's gonna factor in heavily as well. And the other thing is the enthusiasm gap. That's a big thing because that informs where the base is going. What is moving the base, Trump's base, but also Biden's base as well. For Trump's base, it's things like the law and order vote, defund the police, the economy, and also mail Voter registration is up in a lot of states. So there's a demographic element, uh, something new that's been injected into 2020 that wasn't there uh, before. Now let's take a look at that thing we call a dark matter. What are some examples of dark matter? Let's take a look at a few of those. First of all, the polls are off. If you're looking at mainstream polling, it's no longer relevant. The methods that they use for mainstream polling uh, in terms of what's available today, in terms of technology, landline phones versus cell phones, things like this, there's so many different reasons why you shouldn't trust mainstream polling. Hence, uh, so many people did in 2016 and got it completely wrong, and this is one of the reasons. The other is the indie void. This is classic dark matter. And this is what Robert Barnes was referring to in that tweet we showed you just a few minutes ago. Where are the third party, where are the alternative party votes going to migrate? Now, there's a lot of participation in this department in 2016. Gary Johnson, Jill Stein, their numbers were enough potentially to really decide which way a state would go. We're talking about close shaves in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, for instance. So where are those indie votes going to go? Are they gonna go anywhere? Are they going to be sitting out? Will they go to Trump? Will they go to Biden? This is an unknown. This is what you might call dark matter. So the burn rate, the burn rate, what is the burn rate? We talk about this. There's a lot of disaffected Bernie Sanders supporters after being railroaded not once in 2016, but again, twice in 2020 and we were monitoring some of the Bernie Sanders support base. They're very hostile, some of them towards Joe Biden. So there's effectively a split in the Democratic Party between the mainstream Democratic Party and the sort of more left-wing part of the party. And so this is going to play heavily uh, potentially in states where the burn rate is high. In other words, where Bernie Sanders had a lot of support. Now, if you put this together with the mainstream polling, those two together, 
make uh, potentially a trend because what's uh, any Bernie Sanders supporter who's hostile to Joe Biden, they're looking for an excuse to sit this one out. Uh, and if Joe Biden's commanding and mainstream polling a huge margin, it gives them an excuse not to vote uh, for Joe Biden. They can just abstain thinking that, well, there'll be a Democrat in any way. I don't like Biden. But we'll see. So that's the burn rate. Here's another one, the postal fizzle. There's a lot of hype uh, in the last couple of months about the postal vote, and the Democrats are anticipating a massive wave of postal votes. So is that actually going to materialize to the degree uh, that a lot of people were expecting, especially the Democrats? So some early voting and some early analysis suggests that in some cases it might not. So they, they could have burned out their sort of momentum even before election day uh, than what's going to be there for the Democrats on the actual day on November 3rd. That's a big question. Plus, you've got the late uh, voter uh, postmarked after the or by the election but received or counted after the election. This is a hugely controversial thing that's being fought in the courts all over the country right now. Here's another one. Zoomers off campus. So in a lot of big college towns, talking about places like Ann Arbor, Michigan, or even in Phoenix with Arizona State or so many of these big college university cities, a lot of the students are in remote working because of COVID. So we'll call that Zoomers off campus. That will potentially favor the incumbent, according to a lot of analysts. So that remains to be seen how that's going to play out. Certainly, this is a break from previous election years. This is new stuff that we're facing right now. Now, Trump polling anomalies. This is the biggest bit of dark matter that I think is out there right now in the uh, electoral universe. So uh, when Trump supporters are polled, Directly, a lot of them are shy. They won't admit that they're going to vote for Donald Trump over a telephone poll, for instance. These numbers can be above 50%. So that is going to massively skew uh, any polling. And so that means there's a quiet Trump support base there that's not being picked up, absolutely not in the polls. In fact, uh, it's going to make a surprise uh, entrance onto the stage on November 3rd. So that's going to throw things off. And finally is the issue of momentum. This is a absolute fundamental with regards to electoral politics, especially in the United States. So here's one, the ACB effect, we're calling it, the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Honey Barrett. This is going to create a lot of excitement on the GOP's conservative base. And so this is something that's going to create a lot of momentum uh, in the final few weeks. Uh, going into November 3rd. Here's another one, COVID lockdown blowback. There's been a lot of states where this has been an issue that's been decided by the state courts. Michigan's a good example of that, and also in Pennsylvania and other places as well. So in Florida, there's also, you could say, some COVID lockdown blowback. That's going to create momentum potentially in the direction of Donald Trump. So here's another one, U.S. Senate races. This is very important. If you want to look at which way a state is going to be going, look at the U.S. Senate races. How are they playing out in favor of the Democratic uh, nominee for Senate or incumbent or the Republican? Uh, so whichever way this U.S. Senate race is going gives you some indication of what the momentum's like on the Democrat or the Republican side in each state. And here's the last one is, of course, October surprises. We showed you the Hunter Biden email scandal before, that's going to create some type of momentum uh, going into the final few weeks. There could be more uh, revelations and more disclosures with Hunter Biden, so we don't know yet. We'll wait and see. Uh, certainly that momentum, that type of momentum, scandal momentum, October surprises, played heavily in the 2016 election. At least a lot of people believe that it did. That was an extremely close race. So 
looking at those, those three main factors that we're looking at in terms of insights. Now let's take a look at some likely uh, scenarios here. Now if you believe the mainstream polling, here's an electoral map of the United States. As you can see, all 50 states. We've got Alaska and Hawaii down here as well. So how is this going to look on a sort of Biden landslide? And a lot of mainstream pollsters, uh, Nate Silver is a good example. He's predicting a Biden landslide. So you can call this the Nate Silver map. Let's look at this. So you can see how this is progressing here. You've got Biden taking Virginia, of course, Florida, Georgia, uh, sweeping Pennsylvania and the North uh, with Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and even Texas as well, taking Nevada uh, and Arizona too. So that's 407 electoral votes for Joe Biden. So that's Nate Silver's map. That's the Biden landslide that a lot of the mainstream pollsters uh, have been predicting for months. Here's another one here. This is slightly different. This is more a realistic projection of what we're looking at. This is a tight race with Joe Biden really by a nose hair, 273 electoral votes. So just barely getting the 270 required uh, that's needed to win. So this is a more likely scenario looking at what we're looking at in sort of battleground states uh, and how tightly uh, wound these competitions are in all 16 battleground states that we consider to be close races as well. Now, a lot of people think that the 2020 election will very much mirror the 2016 election, and in fact, mirror Donald Trump's electoral college landslide that he scored against Hillary Clinton. And if that happens, it would look something like this. This is how that would play out. You can see Donald Trump taking battleground states like North Carolina, taking Florida, of course, uh, and not taking Virginia, that's still in Democratic hands, but Texas, and then splitting uh, Nevada and Arizona there. But look up north, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and even taking Minnesota. So that would be 320 uh, electoral votes uh, for Donald Trump. That's more or less how that would play out. Now, that is an optimistic uh, projection right now, according to what we're looking at in terms of battleground states. It could end up like this, but this is a more realistic uh, projection, what we're looking at here. This is slightly less, but we, we think it's possible that Donald Trump could lose Pennsylvania, for instance, but still edge Joe Biden. And this scenario would play out just under 300 electoral votes. Obviously, Trump taking Texas here, uh, losing Arizona, but taking uh, Nevada. And you can see a number of these other battleground states winning in Minnesota, uh, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So that would play out 293 electoral votes for Donald Trump. Now let's take a closer look at some of these battleground states. There's a number of battleground states. We counted at least 16 of these that we consider to be really close, many too close to call. In fact, we will take a punt today on a couple of them, but of course these things could change by next week. There's a lot of other factors, momentum, other scandals, and also new data that's coming out. But let's just get cracking on here. The number one battleground state, and this has decided many elections in the past, of course, is the big one, and that's Florida. Let's look at some of the key factors here that might determine what's going on in Florida as a real key swing state here. So Florida is a big prize in terms of the Electoral College, 29 electoral votes. These are some of the things that we're looking at that might determine or might swing the result in Florida. In terms of momentum, the COVID chains are off in the Sunshine State thanks to Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. Now that could play heavily in Trump's favor. That's momentum data point right there. 
Here's another one that we were looking at. This is the salsa bounce. The Cuba issue is big uh, for GOP, for this president. So it's pushing some Latino voters towards Trump. Uh, that's a contentious issue for a lot of people, but nonetheless, it's going to move a certain percentage of the demographic and the Latino vote. Now, in 2016, Trump took Florida by the thinnest of margins, 1.2%. So it was a very close race in 2016. So anything, any factors that swing uh, either in any candidate's direction is going to loom large uh, when you're trying to figure out what's going to happen with this state. The burn rate, very low, not a big factor there. So Biden has uh, a very good command of the Democratic base uh, in the state of Florida. Also, the dark matter, GOP new voter registration. This is a big trend. This is major dark matter that's not being picked up in a lot of mainstream reports. It's just starting to get covered now in the last couple of days. They just can't ignore it and apparently doing very well in Florida. So something like that could flip the state red very easily. So Trump has been campaigning hard in the Sunshine State for the last couple of months and locked down the Amy Coney Barrett effect. That's going to help. Those are all good momentum points. But uh, it's too close to call at the moment, but we're going to give the edge to Trump so far at this point this week. So if, of course, the caveat, if he can avoid doing anything too stupid or saying something that might uh, alienate too many retirees uh, in the state of Florida. Now, Virginia is a very important battleground state, obviously, for a number of different reasons. This was actually a very close race, surprisingly close in 2016. So let's look at some of the main data points here. Now, this is a classic uh, defense contractor, civil service belt, the spook belt, some people call it, but also Joe Biden's corporate tax threats. That could affect how things are going to swing in Virginia, obviously, if some of these corporations decide to leave the state or leave the United States because of the corporate tax threats by the Democratic Party on this. So 2016, Hillary Clinton, fairly comfortable margin, 5.4%. Now, look at the U.S. Senate race. This is important. Mark Warner is absolutely burying the Republican challenger, Daniel Gade, right now. So that should be a good indication, maybe, of uh, where the base is going right now, where the support is going around Virginia. The burn rate, very low, not a big factor. So Joe Biden has a fairly good command of the Democratic base there in Virginia. But this is interesting. Here's some dark matter. There's a little bit of a Second Amendment bounce, possibly, from this controversial issue that's really built up over the last uh, 12 to 18 months in Virginia. That will mobilize some of the GOP base there uh, on behalf of Donald Trump. So there's, but there's also a strange disconnect uh, between registered Democrats uh, versus the state party organization on the new redistricting amendment in that state. That could potentially be possibly a split there. Uh, one of the things we're looking at anyway. It's close, but definitely uh, we'll have to give this a blue edge. But watch this space because there's uh, a lot more going on. The state's potentially a lot closer than people think. Let's look at another battleground state right now. Now let's go to the Midwest. Now, in a close national race like this, it could come down to a few states. So some of these uh, states that might be considered marginal states in previous elections, everything is on the table to be played for. Here's Nebraska. This isn't a traditional winner-take-all electoral college state. It's got a split vote. Let's look at some of the things that might be driving the result in Nebraska. We'll call this the red rural tundra. So it's got a fantastic rural base uh, that's going to feed well into the 
uh, Republican strategy there. So, but if use a, another metaphor, if Nebraska was a stake, it'd be cooked rare. So you've got five electoral votes at stake, so two for the popular vote and one each for the three congressional districts. Of course, the Democrats are gonna be taking the Omaha region, no doubt, and the GOP will take the rest. So the ACB effect is definitely in play here with the conservative base. Uh, so Trump in 2016 uh, won by a decent margin, uh, just around 4%. Again, close, a close race in, in most election years, but with such a national race so close, it's a fairly good margin. Trump will likely get four, and Biden will take one uh, from Nebraska. So let's look at another battleground state. In terms of the Electoral College, here's a major uh, piece of the puzzle here. This is the great state of Texas. This is a major prize in any U.S. presidential election, 38 electoral votes in total. Now, a Democrat has not taken the state of Texas, I believe, since 1976. That was Jimmy Carter. So it is a rarity that Democrats would take Texas in a national election. But a lot of the pollsters, a lot of the mainstream analysts are saying that's going to happen this year. Let's took, take a look at some of the factors that might be driving how this state is going to go. You've obviously got San Antonio, Houston, Austin, the big major urban centers in Texas. Those are definitely Democratic strongholds, so Biden can count on amazing support uh, in those big cities. But there's a little bit of a COVID blowback issue uh, in the city of Dallas, so that could work in Trump's favor. Look at the U.S. Senate race, though. John Cornyn uh, is doing very well against the challenger M.J. Hager. So that's a good indication of where the base is going, uh, where the Republicans and the Democrats, where the support is uh, ahead of November 3rd. Now, Trump had a fairly comfortable margin uh, in Texas, 9%. So you have to be looking at what are things that are going to eat into that if you're looking at a Democratic surge in Texas. What changes are there? Could it be voter registration? Could it be some wedge issues? or anything that's going to excite the Democratic base? Or is Donald Trump potentially going to build on that 9% here? Well, we think that it's possible that he might. So let's look at some other factors here. The burn rate is medium in Texas. Texas is very diverse politically in terms of nuances now, in terms of a lot of people from other states moving in to resettle in Texas. So it's a pretty uh, diverse mosaic politically, ethnically, and uh, economically as well. So cruise control. Now remember, Ted Cruz was running against Donald Trump. That was a bitter race in the 2016 Republican primaries. So apparently the hatch has been completely buried. Uh, Ted Cruz is a massive supporter of Donald Trump, so he's got that. You've got the border bounce. So for the GOP uh, conservative base, the border is a huge issue, and J Donald Trump has declared victory uh, and you know, says that he's made good on all of his campaign promises with regards to immigration and securing the U.S. southern border, or he's working on the wall, et cetera. That's a big issue in a state like Texas. So, But outside of the urban areas, this steak is definitely always cooked a little bit more red in the rural areas. And so if Donald Trump uh, does take a commanding lead again, in 2020, that's where it's gonna happen, outside of, of the city, so we'll wait and see. So again, Trump will show very strong in Texas, so we're predicting he's gonna take that by a similar margin as he did in 2016. Now that could change, of course, but it does look like it's going uh, in that direction right now. Now let's go out west and look at some of the battleground states out there. Arizona is extremely interesting. 
Now this hasn't always been considered, let's say, a battleground state, but it's changed in recent years. The demographics have changed a little bit. Uh, so you've got a much more diverse political scene and socioeconomic scene ethnically as well in the state of Arizona, hence becoming increasingly difficult to call compared to 20 or 30 years ago. Let's look at some of the factors that might be driving it. It's a salt and pepper state. So there's a lot of retirees in Arizona, a lot of liberals, a lot of conservatives from different parts of the country have retired there. So very diverse politically in that sense. So democratic urban strongholds, Latino strongholds, Phoenix, Tucson, that can depend on absolute support in the urban areas there. Now, in 2016, Donald Trump did take Arizona by a margin of 3.6%, so very narrow, but so we'll see how things are going to play out this time. But take a look at the U.S. Senate race here. So Mark Kelly, the Democrat, is doing very well against Martha McSally right now early on. So that is an indicator that's definitely going to work in Joe Biden's favor uh, to see where his base is going, how motivated they are. Look at that U.S. Senate race. So the burn rate, it's medium in Arizona. So that's an interesting factor that could play uh, possibly into Donald Trump's benefit on November 3rd. Let's look at some of the dark matter in Arizona. It's interesting. Uh, the Democrats say they've been working hard on new voter registration. If that's actually true, uh, then that could help them. But so have the Republicans as well. So the GOP is also uh, registered a lot of new voters in Arizona. So I don't know. They, those, that, those two factors could cancel each other out. We'll see. This could change by the end of the week or by next week. We'll see. So the Biden-Harris rally a couple of weeks ago, like nobody showed up basically. So that wasn't very uh, uh, endearing uh, in terms of Democratic support. So we'll see uh, if that factors in. What is the level of passionate Democratic support in Arizona in 2020 for this election? We'll see. We'll see. Some people say it's quiet support. It's waiting in the wings and it will sort of express itself on Election Day. We'll see. So this is really at the moment too close to call in Arizona, but we're going to give the edge to Biden. Again, we'll see what data comes out in the next couple of days. By early next week, that could change completely. So another battleground state, important battleground state after uh, Arizona, it wasn't always a battleground state, but it is this time, the state of Minnesota. This is turning out to be one of the most interesting battleground states of the entire election. Let's look at what could be driving some of the swing votes here. Now, the George Floyd aftermath. So a bit of blowback, possibly. There could be some Democrat defections as a result of the rioting and so forth. That certainly is an issue that's going to be front and center in people's minds uh, come November 3rd for this election. What else? Well, this is also the Rust Belt effect you're looking at. And then the Iron Range, the Duluth region, these are big mining regions. So Donald Trump being very pro-industry, pro-mining, he's promised to bring jobs back uh, to this region as well, whereas the Obama administration was rolling these types of industries back, coal mining around the country. So Donald Trump is championing so this is the Reagan Democrats, the white working class, uh, definitely that's going to attract votes towards Donald Trump. The U.S. Senate race is interesting. Tina Smith, she's a Democrat. She's doing very well against Jason Lewis. So that's uh, definitely a mark in the Democrats' favor, in Biden's favor, is indication of uh, some excitement. If the base is mobilized, is motivated, look at the U.S. Senate race, you'll get some ideas there. In 2016, though, uh, Trump lost by a very small margin, 1.8%. 
So a lot of people think this state is up for grabs. I mean, a lot of Democrats think it's a fait accompli. They're going to take Minnesota because of the George Floyd situation this summer. But a lot of pollsters and a lot of analysts think that's not actually the case, that there's a lot of dark GOP dark matter working its way to the surface in Minnesota. The burn rate is medium. That's interesting, too. Politically, Minnesota is extremely diverse, much more diverse than a lot of people would realize. So there's a lot of things moving around there. There's a lot of what we call free radicals, but a lot of these free radicals are moving in the direction of the GOP. They're moving towards red. So this looks like a dead heat by anyone's account. We're going to give, however, the edge to Trump based on some of the reporting and analysis we've seen in the last few days. It does look like momentum that's going red. So let's look at another key battleground state. This is one of the big ones. In fact, this was the state that arguably tipped the 2016 election. This is Pennsylvania, 20 electoral votes. This is a major jewel in the crown of any presidential uh, campaign. Let's look at some of the factors that are going to be driving the situation in Pennsylvania. COVID blowback, this looms large in Pennsylvania, and a court ruled against lockdowns in September, so that's a big issue, similar to Michigan uh, in that respect. So this is also the Rust Belt effect here, a lot of Reagan Democrats, uh, industry, white working class, these are votes that may migrate towards Trump, uh, as they did somewhat in 2016. But there's a few other X factors in Pennsylvania, new stuff. The southwest part of this state, that's that part of what we call the red uh, firewall, that extends from West Virginia through to Ohio. So this is really a Republican stronghold here that straddles three states. So that's something that's pretty solid, I think, in the GOP's favor. But let's look at this. This is Scranton's forgotten son, Joe Biden, a Pennsylvania native, a boy from Scranton. Um, he has uh, apparently fracked off the Democrats by flip-flopping on the issue of fracking. So this is a big jobs issue, again, an industrial issue. This is uh, what Trump is using this as a major point of his strategy. And so a lot of these disaffected people may be working in the uh, oil and gas industry. Uh, they might be throwing their support behind Donald Trump in 2020, whereas that you might have had more undecideds in 2016. The margin was so slim uh, in 2016, 0.72%. Uh, so really uh, a question of 40,000 odd votes. So very, very lean margin in 2016. So can the GOP increase that margin or can the Democrats cut into that? And it wouldn't be hard for them to cut into it uh, if they had, let's say, high voter registration numbers. We'll take a look at that issue in a minute. Third party vote, a lot of people blamed Jill Stein for Donald Trump taking Pennsylvania in uh, states like Michigan and Wisconsin. Gary Johnson, Jill Stein, they're not in the picture in 2020. What's gonna happen to those votes? That would be enough to swing the state if you knew where those votes were going or if they were sitting out, for instance, that would factor in too. So what's the dark matter? The dark matter is new Republican voters registered. This is a big factor. It's not really been reported, uh, not, not, not really since the last couple of days. So let's look at that. So this is a dead heat. However, we're gonna give the edge to Trump and here's why. Take a look at this. You talk about dark matter. Have a look at this. This is a report that just came out from J.P. Morgan Chase. Voter registration patterns give Trump an edge that's invisible to polling. This is classic dark matter. Here in Pennsylvania, a blue-leaning state normally, Trump won by 44,292 votes in 2016. But since then, the Republican Party has picked up 
nearly 200,000 new Republican voters in Pennsylvania. This is massive. So J.P. Morgan says these gains, along with the margin from 2016, potentially uh, bounced 240,000 uh, coming into November 3rd. I mean, that would pretty much seal the deal for the Republicans in a massively key swing state. Now, a lot of people say the Republicans could still uh, get the Electoral College, get the 270 votes without carrying Pennsylvania, but certainly when you look at things like this, uh, it could be a deal breaker uh, in terms of the Democrats expecting to carry one of their classic uh, stronghold states. So, but again, we see similar bounces in terms of voter registration in Florida, in North Carolina. So, you know, a lot of these swing states, uh, they could move in a direction that uh, has been completely lost by mainstream pollsters. So let's take a look at some other factors here. Again, this is what it's looking like on the Pennsylvania tracking poll. This just came out just uh, in the last couple of days. And look at the Biden lead has really shrunk. We're down here to, you know, plus four points. Biden 49, Trump 45. So that, that race is completely tightening. That's mainstream tracking here. So if you Factor in all the other things that we we're talking about in terms of dark matter. Um, it's definitely moving red. Hence, this is why we've called it in favor of Trump. So again, we're looking at uh, some of the main battleground states here. This is a really important battleground state, actually, and that's the state of Nevada. Now, this went a different way in 2016. Let's take a look at how things are shaping up in Nevada. Now, COVID blowback, this looms large. The Vegas economy has been decimated by lockdowns. And so a lot of people rely on their, uh, their living, uh, their careers, their businesses are all really tied into the entertainment industry in Las Vegas. And COVID lockdowns have been bad news for the state of Nevada. So Donald Trump's coming in there at his rally saying no more lockdowns. Joe wants to lock you down. So again, COVID lockdown has become a ballot issue. It's become a wedge issue in 2020. That could be a late factor that could swing a close race. What else is happening in Nevada? Well, in 2016, Hillary Clinton won by 2.4%. So she did, the Democrats did take Nevada in 2016, but some things have changed potentially since 2016. Let's look at some of the dark matter here. Here's one, 50,000 red refugees per year from California. Now that's a net of potentially 200,000 people moving into the state from 2016. So that's a very different uh, demographic change that's happened uh, over the last four years. Now, that wouldn't be picked up by mainstream pollers, but uh, it's nonetheless a reality. So how many of those California refugees are Republicans? How many are conservative? How many are going to vote? Well, with a, in, a, in a tight battleground state, even 100,000 uh, out of the 150 or 200,000 California immigrants into Nevada over the last five years or so, they could make the difference in this state as a swing state. So other dark matter, the Mormon vote. The Mormon vote is an incredibly important voting block, especially in Nevada, uh, in Utah, in Northern Arizona. So which way they go, and a lot of Mormons aren't very keen on Donald Trump for some of his proclivities, his general attitude, and so forth. But he also has a lot of strong support uh, from some Mormons as well. So that's a key voting block there to look at which way are they going on this. The burn rate is very high in Nevada. Again, in a close state, those Bernie Sanders supporters, if they sit it out or if they vote for Trump, are they going to vote for Biden? Uh, so that's uh, unknown there. And so that's unpredictability for the Democrats. Not good. Good for Trump. So here we have a dead heat, but we're going to today give the edge to Trump based on some of these things that we think are moving the dial 
uh, in Nevada. So those are the key battleground states that we've been looking at. There's others uh, as well that we want to break down. Uh, so we'll probably check back with you uh, in a couple of days uh, for some updates as well. And also go to 21stCenturyWire.com and look at the live election blog that we'll have posted there on the main page. You'll see some updates there, what to be looking for on Twitter, for instance, any sort of breaking news and all the things that we think are going to move the dial uh, in the 2020 elections only less than two weeks away. So stay tuned and we'll see you very soon.